Hello and welcome to another episode of Bringing Design Closer, the podcast focused on discussing design's role in tackling complex societal issues. Our goal is to have conversations that inspire and help move the dial forward for organisations to become more human-centred in their approach to solving complex business and societal problems. My name is Jerry Scullion and I'm the founder of the Human Centred Design Network and the CEO of ThisIsDoing.com, home of many of the world's best design and changemaker courses online. Now, next month marks This Is Hate City's fifth anniversary. And if you found this network useful to you over the last five years, and I hope so, and want to help me and the team at This Is Hate CD out, you can do two things. And if you haven't already done it, please sign up to our newsletter at thisishatecd.com, where you can get fortnightly content about all that is going on in the world of This Is Hate CD. And also, if you love what we do, just leave a rating for the podcast wherever you listen to it. It helps us out enormously and helps others find the podcast too. If you're going to leave it anywhere, our preference will probably be an Apple podcast or Google podcast. They're probably two of the most important channels for us. Now, in this episode, I speak with Lolo Oleo Pearson from Shopify. And Lolo is a director of UX in the money space. We chat about what that actually means. We speak about the mission at Shopify to remain truly independent whilst supporting entrepreneurship globally by making it easier to sell online and creating a support network for those merchants. What really interested me though was the points about how Shopify makes money and also not they share the risk in opening up available funds to enable businesses to succeed. I mean that's a huge statement right there. They open up those funds for businesses to succeed and I can't really think of many other businesses out there who walk the walk quite like this. Many of you know Talk the Talk very well but this is a really exceptional case and I was really keen to drill into what that actually means. We chat about also what money means, and it's not just a system to enable a transactional relationship, it's visceral, and money is real, and it can empower, and it can also destroy people. And I was keen to hear their thoughts on how the Western-driven perspective of money could translate into markets, say, like Africa or Asia, and what that might look like. Lolo rocks, okay, and I know you're going to enjoy this conversation, so let's jump straight in. Lola, I'm delighted to have you on the podcast We've been talking about this for a little while, yes. um, but tell us, what do you do uh, and where are you coming from today? Hi, Jerry. It is a pleasure to be on the podcast. It also, it's super strange for me because, you know, you get used to hearing someone's voice on a podcast and they feel really familiar, but then you still get that starstruck moment when you actually like meet them and you're like, ah, I'm talking to That's Jerry me and you. Yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been listening to your podcast. Mutual so appreciation. I, yeah. Well, 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 there you go. It's it's yeah. kind of like, you know, two worlds colliding here yeah. today. Like, you know, I but love obviously it. we, we, we've been speaking with, well, I've been speaking with Jen uh, over yes. at Shopify for the, the last couple of Jen months. Amazing Jen Shaw. Yes. Jen Shaw, who, who could have been here, but like, you know, I think they wanted a day off. So weren't able to make it to this podcast. We occasionally but, give her some holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, was it three days, three days off a year you get at Shopify yeah, or something? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. A little bit more than that. But your 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 fantastic sponsors um, for this is Aid City for the next six months, and we wanted to connect with somebody at Shopify to talk to us a little bit more about what you do and why Shopify is, you know, a great place to work. And this is not a salesy salesy kind of conversation. I'm going to yeah, get into the nuts and bolts. <laughs> yes, no, it's it's good. It's good. I'm I'm uh. I'm good at sales, but I'd, uh, I kind of draw the line at BS. So we, we'll do some real yeah. talking. But well, yeah, so I, um, I'm one of the directors of UX at Shopify. There are a few of us, um, but mm-hmm. I look after our money products. So I, I'm the bank. I bring the bag. 
um, my team designs a bunch of um, specific financial solutions to help entrepreneurs just focus on the business of selling. So we take care of payments, we sort out loans, we do some business banking stuff, uh, we make sure they get their money where they need it, when they need it, as quickly as possible. Um, we try and take care of the stuff that they don't need to be an expert at in order to run a mm. business so that they can actually be an expert at, you know, supply management and marketing and buyer relationships and the stuff that, that really makes a difference for them. We're, we're assuming that people know what Shopify is. Oh, that's okay? a good point. Yes. So, <laughs> like, I've known about Shopify since 2010, maybe. Oh, you're good. I had no clue who they were in 2017 when I first got mm. a call. I was like, who the hell are these people? Nope. No, thank you. Oh, <laughs> it was it was insane. Like, it was, I remember when it came on the market, because the, the alternative at the time was Woo, WooCommerce, I think. Yes. And probably a few other ones that were just kind of not very easy to use. Yeah. And I remember like, wow, you can get all these kind of look and feels and uh, yeah. you can compete with all these big businesses very quickly and have great experience. Yeah. It's been going for quite a while and yes. it is a Canadian business or a German it is a business. Well, it's kind of both. So mm. our founder, T Toby, is German and okay. he emigrated to Canada. Um, and the, the, the how I built this episode with him on NPR podcast is, is worth a listen. He talks about... He was in an in-between space where he wasn't allowed to get a job, but his immigration status allowed him to start a business. So with yeah. a friend, they co-founded a, a snowboarding um, shop selling snowboards and very quickly found it really hard to build and maintain the shop and pivoted into making it easier for other people to set up shops and take online payments and Shopify mm. kind of grew out of that. So it is essentially an entrepreneurship platform. So if you have an idea for a thing that you want to sell, go to Shopify. You can start with a bunch of really easy stores templates or build your own. So we kind of cover mm. the spectrum of uh, technical literacy and um, we make it as easy as possible for you to quickly list something for sale and sell it. And, you know, you get mm. paid daily. Um, teams like mine are sort of the um, the add-ons, right? So when you're, when you're digging into what the user's problems are, uh, you know, money is because people were selling and then finding it really hard to accept payment methods from different countries or yeah. just, you know, give people the payment options they wanted to see. So we came up with Shopify payments, which is like built in. Most countries you sign up to Shopify, you can get it for free. It's fee free. Um, and there are ever growing number of payment options. They change by country. So we try and make sure that depending on the country a buyer is in, the payment option they would expect to see is there. Um, and probably okay. the halo thing is a shop pay. So like shop pay is a really cool one, which is like I've a really quick wallet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, it's like G pay for the Android phone exactly. it's, shop, it's super shop, cool it's everywhere and it's it just makes it easy and I'm a bit obsessed because it then means I can like track anything I bought with shop pay in the app and I can just follow the little dot to be like when will it be delivered <laughs> I know well I, I remember the Shopify way, way back in I suppose the early days by the sounds of it mm. and it kind of grew and around that time I had a small agency in Sydney where we okay. we did WordPress kind of integrations and yes. we would sell and we would kind of do a mashup of being able to enable e-commerce to happen within WordPress and stuff. And then I got to a point around 2012 or 2013 where we went, what's the point anymore? Just use Shopify. I remember yeah. we used to say that all the time and we we're like, oh, these we can't compete with this. Yeah. Just, why would you pay us 20 grand when you can just go and 
get a Shopify account and, and do, do it at that. So we, we ended up kind of closing our doors pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, it's it's an interesting evolution, though, because I think like it's it's a, a bit of this and a bit of that. Because like I, I used to have a WordPress store with like commerce and, you know, you'd have yeah. all of these plugins that unfortunately broke a lot. Like every time there was a bit of an upgrade, you had to go in and like fix exactly. all of your plugins again. And it was super painful. We had a lot of um, flexibility. And I think mm. there is a trade-off, right? What Shopify does is it says, you're probably trading off a little bit of flexibility, right? We are not yeah. trying to give you everything in the kitchen sink. We are trying to give you the fastest, simplest, cleanest way to get from A to B. And so I reckon 80% of people want to be there. And then there's probably 20% of people for whom it's a bit inflexible mm. and, and they want a bit more. And, you know, we're looking at that as well, but actually we're quite comfortable that like, it's mm. the 80% that we're designing for. And so there's a, there's a sense there that like simplicity is more important than comprehensiveness yeah. of features and all that kind of stuff. There was kind of a whole kind of pattern of new businesses around that that time as well. Squarespace was yeah, launching. Yeah, similar and thing, was, yeah. It, it was a similar kind of trajectory of, well, why would you do that when you can just go to Squarespace? And there's probably a host of others like Wix and and the, the WYSIWYG kind of, control um yeah that, that was really kind of a game changer for a lot of people yeah and way back then can i just say like the the, the, the mission statement has kind of shifted an awful lot from oh, way it? back there i think it has i could be completely wrong on this now but i do remember it was just really about uh getting people online really quickly and getting make, make people stay whereas now from when i was speaking to jen the the mission seems to be a lot more kind of ethical in terms of making the next uh, a million people, you know, online. And it seems to be a lot more deep-rooted in some sort of human-centeredness. Is that fair to say? Is it? Is it um, does it I feel like say, that? Uh, I, so I can only speak to the being in on the inside the last two years. And as I said, four yeah. years ago, I didn't even know what this company was. So I, I won't <laughs> lie. Yeah. But the, the, the law of Shopify that I have heard is that it, it was always quite human-centered and user-centered. So like, uh, mm. Daniel and Toby, the two co-founders, Daniel was very design-led himself. So he right. kind of cared a lot about abstracting complexity out of the system. And Toby was very much like, it should be possible to build all the things. And so he was kind of deep in the code and the infrastructure. And so that combination meant that there probably was a time when they were worried more about online commerce. And so e-commerce yeah. was a thing and just kind of selling online and making that simple. But the mission now is make commerce better for everyone. So it's not actually that different. It's probably more an acknowledgement that commerce is omnichannel. So like uh, mm. e-commerce isn't the only place you should ever want to or be able to sell. And we can probably serve all environments. Mm. And then everyone, it's kind of like, you know, we've got tons of research and sometimes it's hilarious to figure out who your users are, but like, um, I remember a story in the beginning of the pandemic with, uh, we, we listened to a recording of a farmer, um, a farming family in the Midwest of the US who had never sold a single thing online because they were a farm shop. It was kind of like eggs and milk and, and, you know, butter. And then the pandemic forced them to close down. And so they gave it a go, like a couple in their 60s. And they made up all of their income and more by selling online and getting in their truck and delivering than wow. they had ever done in the farm shop, but they were able to basically set up all their basics using Shopify. And they called and left this hugely emotive message. And you kind of think, you know, super tech, camp high tech company, it's just there for Gen Z and like very yeah. literate people. But then you hear stories like that about a couple that was very anti-tech to a certain extent, also being able to use the platform. And you realize 
okay, we do mean everyone. And yeah. certainly my, my lens on it is how do we make sure everyone means everyone? Like, who do you see in everyone? Yeah. You know, does, if, if I say everyone in your mind, do you see a swathe of white people in America or do you see literally a global community of people of all backgrounds and entrepreneurship climates trying mm. to like economically emancipate i sound really political but like no, no. you know the the focus on entrepreneurship is that it, it is it might be a side hustle it might be your full-time job but it's you taking control of your income and so we can accept that acknowledge it and actually lean into it as opposed to just trying to be like simple to sell online and like selling the platform we recognize the ambition mm. and the energy and you know it's it's all very uh emotive uh stuff mm. when you start digging into sort of the who are the people using shopify yeah um, how, how do you support that like because you know emancipation and all these these terms that we we can talk about um and saying like making it uh accessible to everyone and, and truly everyone on the planet to be able to access yeah. this how are they how are they being backed up those statements uh so let's start by saying it's almost impossible to say that you're going to like achieve a mission like shopify is because at yeah. any point in time there's someone you're not serving right so mm. that that's Absolutely. a reality so first first you acknowledge the fact that it's like it's a never-ending job yep. um the second thing for me that i've seen is like we're present in uh you know hundreds of countries around the world but that doesn't necessarily mean we localize for every single market so yeah. we tend to look at like how many merchants uh do we have in any given region and then we'll start to evolve our focus in there so in the last two to three years for example We've built an APAC, Asia-Pacific presence from scratch. And now we've got sort of thousands of people across the region working mm. on a range of solutions. And we also try and be mindful that like most of the time, most of Shopify should be easy for anyone to pick up and use. But we are mm. on a journey to localize, not just language, but actually, you know, a good example of that is in money, like local payment methods are a really big deal like in one market yeah yes shop pay but in another market you probably want to look at a different range and the concept of debit and credit work very differently depending on the country so again we lean into that and think okay sometimes we're designing for country x and specifically trying to enable and unlock possibilities in that country and but the majority of the time we're trying to create um a global maxima, I think, is a term that Toby uses. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm interpreting it right. But Explain like, what that means. Then. So it's um, it's that 80-20 rule again. It's that kind of Pareto's principle of like, you want to try and work on stuff that will benefit a huge number of people the majority of the time. And if you mm. find yourself oversteering onto complexities and edge cases that nudge for a small group of people, you might be spending your time in, you know, you might get a 0.1% uplift versus yeah. like I've now provided access for another group of 20 people, 20%, uh, 20% mm. of that population. So you're kind of trading off with that at, at any point in time. And I think for any multinational company, it's really bloody hard to cover all of the globe. But I quite like the challenge of trying to think about who is everyone? What do they actually need? How do you give them optionality and simplicity at the same time it's it's a job that's never done and we get things wrong all the time but then the workers just pick yourself up and figure out okay how do i correct on that yeah no, you mentioned there about money being it's such an emotive thing like you either yes. you know and it means 
and I think we're, we're probably in a, in a point in time where we're, we're transitioning out of kind of like the whole kind of we don't talk about money at the dinner table to especially in the pandemic there seems to be a lot more openness around talking about money what it means you know uh, when you have it and what does it mean when you don't have it yeah so what is what is money because your role as director ux of money which is a fantastic title <laughs> um uh, honestly i said to you before i'd love to get that as a t-shirt like director <laughs> of money <laughs> i direct i know it's director of ux but <laughs> yeah no but we'll is, skip that part <laughs> what does that look like um how do you interpret it and how does the service shift based on those distinguishing factors of what money is to different people yeah so i'll start maybe with like my personal principle like i enjoy working on money products i think there is a a level of authenticity and accountability here that says you know the majority of us are not working for charities so we care about how we get paid and we're not donating our time for free that means at some point there's a business model that you have to engage with whether you feel hmm. talking about money is a dirty thing or not it's practical um yeah. and so you know i quite like the uh virtuous benefit of how shopify makes money for example right so our business model is predicated on you becoming a successful entrepreneur the more money okay. you make the more money we make the less money you make the less money we make so there is a benefit there and that applies in the way that we set up our financial product so um so tell us what that know, looks like i know there's subscriptions yeah. in there as well so yeah, so you have like, so we keep, we keep our monthly subscriptions fairly flat, um, but give okay. you a good example. So Shopify payments is one of our flagship products. So if you're a merchant, you sign up to Shopify payments, you have a bunch of different payment methods and it's, it's essentially, uh, I don't think it's a hundred percent fee free, but it's kind of like, um, you know, each payment provider has its own uh, cost. And then like we add 30 cents or stuff like that. Now, if you're selling to 20 people, you will pay us 30 cents 20 times. If you sell to 1,000 people, you will pay us 30 cents 1,000 times. And so there is a virtuous benefit there that we're not charging you more for selling to more people. We're charging you the same however many people you sell to, but the better you perform, the better we perform. And so we try and set up all of our products in this way that they are grounded in not penalizing growth and mm. success, but they're actually scaling with the merchant's own improvement in their circumstances. Um, a good example of that is like we have a loan product called Capital. And the way we've designed that is uh, we build it based on uh, your business. So we look at how you're selling and then we yeah. determine that you could probably use some money and we'll give you a few options of amounts. You pick an amount, we put it into your account straight away and then you repay it as a percentage of your daily sales. If you sell nothing, you repay nothing. If you sell a lot really quickly, you repay it faster. And if your sales slow down, you repay it slower. But at no point is money due to us if you haven't sold anything. And so again, okay. we get that incentive is locked into you doing the thing that helps you and then we yeah. get paid back. And so when you design your products that way, you have to think about the product itself, but then you have to think about like, well, if I'm lending you money for, as, a, as a capital loan, what you probably want to do is go sell, go buy some inventory. So how do I make it easy for you to go buy that inventory? Uh, or how yeah. do I make it easy for you to go get the marketing that's going to get you the sale? So I care not just about how I'm giving you that product. I also care about the next step you're going to take when you have that, uh, those funds in your hand. Mm. And that, that I think is what makes it interesting when we're designing. It, it, it creates complexity, right? Because then it's like, 
you're trying to solve all the problems in one place. Yeah. We're not, but we're trying to always question ourselves on like, how do you design this so that it's a mutually beneficial model, even though it costs mm. us money to offer these services. So we have to consider about yeah. our business model as well. So how is that, like, is it a closed network in terms of, do people have the choice to, to opt in or opt out of these things? Or is it a oh, case yeah. that, yeah? Absolutely. So, yeah. So, okay. So it, I'm trying, I'm trying to understand a little bit more around what does it look like as it scales? Oh, because as I said, yeah. So where, where, where does that look like saying countries that are, shall we say, than, than other yeah. countries? Like if you're in, we were talking earlier about Africa or even like yeah. other parts of the world that, yeah. how, how does this adapt based in, in those territories? So or does it um, adapt? It, it depends on where you are. So like, I think yeah. we do better in some regions than others. Um, I was surprised to find we have Shopify merchants in Nigeria, which is where I'm from. So cool. Which is super cool, but uh, yeah. but that speaks to the 80 percent thing, right? Like hmm. Nigeria, is, national language is English, even though we speak over two hundred odd uh, local uh, dialects and, and languages. Uh, so the platform doesn't need to be translated, um, and we have a huge diaspora. So there are people living in Nigeria who are very American or European, or you know, hmm. lived in Asia, and so when they go home, they bring those influences and those expectations of delivery and service with them so there is an emergence of western like e-commerce in nigeria that shopify is able to serve and tech that shopify yeah, is able huge. to service but you know my mother runs a business where she sells a product in nigeria and she cannot use shopify because the majority of her sales happen still in um day-to-day -day contact between people and like having salespeople and marketers and, and a different mm. model so we don't have enough merchants to say fix all of those things, but where there is a, an intersect of what Shopify offers and um, what the market demands, then yeah, it's definitely serving that. I think because the model works exactly the same way everywhere, the same thing still applies. Like Nigeria isn't um, as wealthy as say the US, but for the merchants who are using Shopify and have buyers on Shopify, they're managing to make the business work within the calculations that they've got. Otherwise, they wouldn't be using the product. So yeah. it, that equitable mindset of like, if you do better, we do better still applies, even if we haven't 100% said like, here's a Naira-based version mm. of Shopify for the Nigerian market. I'd love to see that happen one day. <laughs> yeah, um, no, it'd be so cool. Yeah. I mean, what what I'm kind of interested in is the, the current state of... yeah. Where, where, because it, it's the world is in different places. Some places are more mature than others, obviously, in terms of financial services. Yeah. What does it look like, say, in the short term, and where does Shopify see it going, in say the next five or ten years? What does that look like um, for for the service? Because it is a service now. It's no longer just, uh, you know, a, a platform to to sell T-shirts on. There's there's a whole ecosystem yeah. at play here. Is what I'm hearing. No, a hundred percent. I think what it looks like for us is just doing what we've become very good at which is adapting listening to our users and then adapting to their needs as 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 it happens so yeah. you know for each market we have to consider regulatory environments legal environments and economic environments and i think sometimes that means yes we have a lot of users but we can't customize and and that's just a practicality the decision yeah. we need to make sometimes that says okay 
we have a lot of users and now we're going to start doing cool things. So a really good example of that is I said in the last three years, we've grown in Asia Pacific. And one of the things that is very clear, like I personally perceive Asia Pacific when it comes to fintech to be way more progressive than any other yeah, region in the world. It is. Um, and so we had merchants wanting to offer payment methods that we would not ever need to think about in North America and Europe. And so we kind of innovated this concept of a, a dev platform, a payments platform. So we allowed uh, partners to build their own payment methods into uh, Shopify's ecosystem so that we could offer merchants those payment options in that market. And so we offer Alipay, therefore, in parts of oh, okay. Asia. But we don't offer Alipay all over the world. So we recognize that um, the extensibility that was needed from Shopify and for those who had the ability to build into it, we made it possible, but we didn't necessarily build that ourselves from the center because it didn't apply as broadly as we would like. So there's always that stretch that says that we'll pay attention and then how do we enable and empower? And that payment platform is is now scaling. And so there are lots of other places where potentially we'll allow people to build their own payment uh, methods into uh, Shopify so that merchants can access that and, and, and benefit from it. So we, we try and think about it as an extensibility uh, capability. So like, how do you extend Shopify even if we mm. ourselves aren't actually offering that service? So moving into the world of kind of say, you you have a store, and for argument's sake, you're selling t-shirts. Um, yes, always want which to a lot of our merchants, store. yeah. yeah. Every, I sell t-shirts, yeah. Oh, does <laughs> it have direct review X money on it? <laughs> <laughs> it should do. It I know I'd do. buy one. Yeah. Um, what does it look like in terms of other services then because yeah you know you, you can see that uh shopify started here and then it's growing and suddenly it's getting closer to what a what a bank would have been 10 years ago by offering these kind of flexi loans and and all these different things so 10 years time does it move into the world of where you know intuit and quickbooks and uh, holistically supporting the business a one-stop shop Look, wh where does this where is it going uh, is what i'm so, going to kind of understand yeah, I tell me what you're going to do in the next ten years. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Do you know what? This is the thing that's fascinating, right? I haven't got yeah. a clue, so I can only, I can only respond Speculate. as like what what is my personal opinion, and I don't know if this is actually the company's opinion, right? But hmm. I have a very allergic reaction to the concept of one stop shops because what ends up happening is you get this kind of closed ecosystem scenario, Absolutely. and then tech evolves, and people want different things, and then you basically feel like you're stuck. Um, yep. we have to start from scratch and like, it doesn't feel super dynamic. And I don't, I don't think one company serves everybody's needs all of the time. Yeah. So my ideal, uh, outcome for Shopify, if, you know, if I stay here for the next 10 years in, in this money space is we are not a bank. We don't have yep. a banking license. I personally hope we, you know, I'm not going to spend time trying to get one. Um, what we can do is say like, what does, what unique things that that does that actually give us the opportunity to do? So a good example is we can lend you based on the business we see, as opposed to putting a loan that makes your house at risk, right? So okay. we can give you that benefit in a way that a bank probably would want to collateralize a loan. Yeah. Um, and that, and you know, their risk modeling forces them into that scenario. Ours means we have something else that we can use. Um, can I ask on that? Like, say you mentioned there about freeing up some of the assets to, and giving it back to them, and saying when you sell, you pay, you pay us back. 
mm-hmm. what happens if you don't sell any more t-shirts what what does it look like then is it, has that has you, that you ever arose yeah it, it happens you don't you don't pay us back like really but this you ride the it, risk I, I can honestly tell you that that happens at much lower rates. I, I used to work wow. at Capital One, so I understand the world of credit as well. It happens yeah. at a much lower rate than anyone would expect. So people kind of go to that place. It's like, oh, you're going to lend people money. They may never pay you back. Let's develop some like massive repayment muscles and go get bailiffs and knock on people's yeah. doors. And it's like, what we're doing is saying like, this is your business. You're doing it to... Yeah you know, pursue your interests or like emancipate and quit your job and set up a, a career for yourself. So you care about making money. And therefore, if you're going to do it and you're going to do it well, you're going to pay us back. So yeah. we have the benefit of a highly motivated user group. And so that non-repayment scenario happens much less often than you would expect. Um, but in that, it's kind of like, okay, how do we get you back into selling? Do you need to start a different business? Do you want to mm. sell in a different way? Do you want to change your supply? Do you want to simplify your marketing? Like our support teams are not your usual tech support. They're like business coaching and counseling teams, wow. you know, and they're like, it's a 360 conversation. So it's, it's really nice in that sense that like, it's not something we have to over design for because mm. it is a very, very low incidence and our risk modeling allows for that. So we end up on the other side, which is people have one loan, do really well, and then they kind of go and get another loan so they can buy, get more um, resilience in their inventory, right? So they don't sell out so often. So they're kind of, you know, and so we mm. ladder them through the business stages really effectively and it, it yeah. kind of works. So I, I believe like Shopify will always do that, right? And if you if you wanted to get a loan from a bank because you wanted to, build and kit out a physical store you could still go and do that and really? potentially yeah because we it's so cool we don't to prevent think that that's there it's yeah. like you've got your big brother is kind of you know willing to float you you know to to see you succeed it's it seems it almost seems too good to be true <laughs> it's like um uh, it, i mean the thing is know, so it, it we won't so the, the thing about capital for example is you can't apply hmm. for it so you okay. can't show up today and say, hey, I want a capital loan. Uh, so it's we based will offer on your, it to your sales. You. We will offer uh. it to you when we see your business. So that, and again, that's how we've designed it to get that mutual benefit. So if you've not done okay. anything yet, then Shopify is not going to serve that need. That, and that's what I mean. Yeah. It's like, we're not a one-stop shop. But yeah. where those um, benefits intersect really well, then yeah, absolutely. We're here for you. And like, you know, there's there's kind of like a virtuous cycle there. But you probably want to combine that with other things. And you mentioned like QuickBooks and Intuit. We have those apps in our yeah. app store. We want our merchants to combine, like you're the master of your business. You know what your combination of tools that you want to use mm. are. There are certain things that you might be asking of us that we like, yeah, okay, we will get to that and we will definitely offer you that feature. But at no point does that mean locking you out of making a choice of using another product. So to me, I would imagine in the next 10 years, when even less like a bank, but that's also because finance becomes less, de- more decentralized around away from banking institutions into these more nimble, contextual financial offerings that make sense in the in the scenario mm. you're in. And we are still allowing you to kind of have this permeable experience where like you can do stuff on Shopify exclusively or with Shopify and parts of other partners. And what we do is we connect really well so we don't make it hard for you to use other services alongside Shopify. Mm. And I feel like that that feels more right than let's build 
giant wall garden ecosystem Shopify where we do everything for you and you never need to leave. And actually what ends up happening is it's a burden for us yeah. to ever keep up with all the things that you will ever need anyway. Yeah. So I'm going to ask a question here now that it's, it's on my mind. And I was like, can I ask it? Can I, will they, will they know the answer? So in your experience, you've been there in that business for two years, right? And you mentioned there that businesses, uh, you know, you can you know get advice and business coaching and stuff through yeah. Shopify. What what are the the top three things that businesses get wrong, um, and what does Shopify do? Can can you can it doesn't have to be scientific. Just no, no, it's roughly. good. Uh, so this is this is I I don't know if this is like the technically considered, but things that I have seen. So number one, or number three. Let's start at number three and we'll work to number one. Okay, well. The, the number three is figuring out where your actual buyers are. Okay. So like everybody hates, uh, you know, we, we all like to poo poo on ads, but they're actually really important because yeah. if you are, if you, if you're selling something and you want to start selling something, no one knows who you are. Hmm. So you have to turn into a really great marketer and that yeah. could be ads that could be content but you have to go and get the people who want to buy the thing that you have to sell and no one can do that for you we offer advice training there are partners who can help you with that but actually that's the lonely work of entrepreneurship is figuring out who wants to buy the thing that you want to sell if you don't work that out it doesn't matter how stunning your store is yeah. how many features you've got how much inventory no one's coming to buy it yeah. Uh, the second thing is you're probably going to have to spend money on marketing and buying ads. So if you have this allergic view to advertising, uh, you know, I, I feel for you, you've kind of reduced your chances of success to maybe five to 10% to those magic people Oof. who never advertise. Right. The majority of people have to advertise in yeah. order. Now, what that looks like can be different. You know, an ad can be, yes, a banner or a display, or it can be sponsored content, or it can be, mm. you know, something video. But you're going to have to build that muscle because what we see a lot of our merchants do is they're like, oh, I'll, I'll buy a Google AdWord for like two weeks. And then they'll get a couple of sales and they'll be like, oh, great, now I've started selling. And then they stop buying the AdWords and then the sales drop off. And it's like... This isn't always on cost. So you kind of just have to learn to accept that ads are important to entrepreneurs. Absolutely. Um, I'd, I'd definitely business. agree with these two. Yeah. Um, and probably the final You won't be surprised to hear is manage your money. So we sometimes see people fail at the weird intersection of success. So you have sold a lot of products and then you have immediately recycled that cash, but you didn't factor in what you need to spend to ship the product. So you now have to get that product to the people who've bought it and suddenly you find your cash flow is gone. Ah, okay. um, or you create a lot of demand and you have not sorted out your supply. So you haven't paid enough and you haven't um, ordered enough. And then now you've kind of got a really big, bill for like you know you've sold 5,000 t-shirts but the minimum buy you need is like 12,000 and there's you haven't sold the other 7,000 yet but you need to buy it in 12,000 blocks how do you plug that gap so we, we you know one of the services we recently offer is like a banking solution right so it's like separate your personal finances from your business finances as early as possible 
so that you're not just recycling all the money you earn straight away and you're starting to plan for spikes because there will be inevitable spikes. So, you know, success actually ends up being the riskiest point of growth for a lot of merchants that we see because it requires you to be really on top of cash flow. And people who are still mingling their personal and business finances are will struggle with that more than people who separated them out and started mm. to try and budget ahead of sales cycles. So yeah. those three things, um, find your buyer, learn to love ads and marketing and manage your money, like separate your business money early. Like those three things I think are the most important that I have personally seen. And siphon off enough for your tax. Oh my God, pay your tax bills. Please yeah. pay your tax yeah. bills. <laughs> yeah. That was one. Uh, I Hard lessons my, my personal tax, but I had, a, I, had a, I had a tax issue in Australia that yeah. and GST and I was like, I had nominated on my invoices and then it came back to bite me and they were like, no son, you uh, that's included in your rights. So uh, yes. you have us. And I'm like, yeah. no, I don't. I didn't charge it. We yeah. don't care, son. You need to give us the money. Yeah. And I had to do it. I had to give them the yeah. money. So yeah. Yeah, I got my taxes things. wrong when consulting once and I had to um, pay back. They they came for me and they went back five years and then they added interest. <laughs> it's like, thanks. That's really expensive mistake. Oh, my man. Um, as, as a little disclaimer there, uh, to all the Australian people, that was me actually doing an Australian accent there. It wasn't <laughs> another should, person I on the podcast. <laughs> yes, and you need to give us the money. Okay. Um, yes. It's it comes from the back of the throat. It's, it's I'm I'm doing quite a nasally Australian accent, so people in Australia are shaking their heads, kind of going, "What are you doing, what Jerry? Is he what doing? are you doing?" Yeah. Look, Lola, we're we're coming towards the end of the episode. I know people are going to want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Yeah. Um, what's the best way to to connect? And also, feel free to give a plug to Inside Shopify podcast as well. Yeah. So, I mean, we did we didn't dig deep into the necessarily design stuff, but yeah, Inside Shopify UX podcast is uh, conversations that I have had with various people around Shopify to mm. uncover like what we do, how we think, the range of topics that we cover, give you a sense of what we're thinking about, talking about, and doing. Um, and hopefully isn't like painting a crazy rosy picture because it's not all roses. Uh, no. That's why we need more people to kind of join. So we're always hiring. So do look out for that on all of your usual podcast sources as well as YouTube. Um, yeah. And I am on Instagram. I'm not Instagram. I'm actually not. But I'm on Twitter <laughs> at yeah. Lola Oye. And I'm also on LinkedIn. Uh, probably better to DM me on Twitter because I have been hiding from my LinkedIn inbox for about the last three years. So right. it takes a little bit longer for me to reply to messages on LinkedIn, but uh, I am active on Twitter. So feel free Sounds to cool. at me or DM me there. I'll throw links to both of those into the show notes. But Lola, Amazing. great speaking Thank with you today. You so Thanks so much, much for your time. Thank you, Jerry. It's been a real pleasure. So there you have it. That's all for this episode of Bringing Design Closer. If you like this episode, feel free to visit thisishcd.com where you can access our back catalogue of over 100 episodes with episodes related to service design, product management, design research, and much, much more. Now, if you're interested in design and innovation training, feel free to check out our business, thisisdoing.com, where you can join online classrooms and learn from the world's best design and innovation leaders. Join the This Is HCD newsletter where you'll receive updates from the network. And also, if you're interested, apply to join the Slack community on thisishcd.com. Stay safe and until next time, take care.